welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Knock On Podcast number, I'm going to guess 220. We are in Oklahoma. I'm here with Annie Stumpf, Trevor Thompson, and my buddy Clay Forrest from down here in Oklahoma. We're on a really cool ranch. First time we met was hog hunting. I came here on a hog hunt with you, right? No, I think it was a deer hunt, wasn't it? No, the first one was a hog hunt. Oh, yeah. Wintertime. Yep. That's yeah, it was a wintertime. Um, Stewart Ranch Outfitters. Clay does some whitetail hunts, hog hunts, turkey hunts, and duck hunts. And this place is awesome. This is a 150-year-old ranch. So was it your grandfather? Yeah, I would have been three greats Are grandmother. You serious? Oh, uh, my gosh. Choctaw allotment land. 18, we started in 1868. So she was allotted 240 acres, which is our original headquarters, still is the headquarters. And that's where the ranch started in 1868. And this place now that we're, and by the way, we're, all, we're hunting Fair Chase, spot and stock um it's a diy hunt really for us you know we got here scouted chummed a little bit you don't do that for your clients that you book over at your other ranch we do a little bit of both we will do some spot and stock if need be but most of it's just what i'm going to call traditional ground style hunting Mm -hmm. over bait you know in a stand or elevated surface something like that but if we need to we'll spot and stock you know if it gets slow or if we see something we'll we'll definitely uh, get after it if we need to yeah this place is just so awesome the what's really cool about where we're at right now we call it the buffalo house but it's a uh, did your one one of your family members build this yes sir yeah so uh this was put here uh back in about 1986 um, the reason we call it the Buffalo House is because this is actually called Buffalo Hill. So, like, if you look at a, a landmark map, it's actually called Buffalo Hill. It's the second tallest point in this county. So, it's... Uh, Did they build it for, at the time, to be able to, like, overlook livestock and stuff back then? No, it, it honestly was just built. It was a, a family member's house, and it, it was just a, a scenic, neat place to put a house. Yeah. And so, it's become a lodge um, in the last 10, 15 years. So. Yeah, we're... We're really elevated to the rest of the place, so we can see quite a bit. I would say, you know, 30% of the place from up here, so it's really cool. And um, from a hog hunting point of view, it's awesome because you can you can kind of chum a lot of the roads and stuff and then get up here. And if you've got spotting scopes, a lot of times you can see hogs a mile out and then make a little run for it, which is what we did yesterday with Andy got in even though we did that from a vehicle (laughs) the spot portion was from the what is that thing a side-by-side yeah yep and we we spotted them a long way off made probably a mile j-hook around and then you got a stock in you were let's see we piled in here about an hour before dark you got your bow together threw it together which the last time you had it together was in texas when we were down there together and uh (laughs) (laughs) we go out and you Made a ripper shot on a hog and a big sucker. And Trevor, who flew into my place um, probably four or five days ago, we worked on another project together. 
you built your new bow. Uh-huh. What was that like? It was a lot of, yeah, that looks good. I'll probably redo it. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you name that thing? Oh, doesn't have a name, huh? Mm. Nope. Do-over? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That might work well. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, y- you went out our first night. We were actually <coughs> going to do a little bit of recon because yeah. we have, um, kind of having a fun hunt. There's different people that are going to be coming in. We should have a series of podcasts. Now, granted, today, half the people weren't able to get in on a lot of different flights because of weather all across the U.S., but uh, Torsten's coming in, uh, Chad Ward's coming in to cook, John Barclow's coming in, and then Evan from Black Rifle. Um, Jonathan Hart from Sicko is also going to be here with us, but he actually got snowed in uh as well so this is well my plan was to get each person a hog and save certain areas so that there was no pressure but now that people didn't make it tonight game on free, free for all <laughs> you two free are all you <laughs> two are in the driving yeah you're in the driver's seat two nights in a row so the the hog cooler is going to be full stacked by the time people get here so it'll be pretty fun we'll be able to probably do some co-piloting and maybe a little heckling just to keep it interesting just a little are we talking about tonight or later this week well once everyone else gets here good tonight yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely gonna heckle you for sure (laughs) well trevor's on deck (laughs) i think trevor's gonna go out with clay i think we should do a little team round Find out what happens. Yep. Biggest hog back to camp is... Um, we got this. Don't worry about it. There we go. <laughs> if you shoot one of those hogs you have in the pen behind your house. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know a few secret spots. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Biggest secret. biggest hog is... We saw a big one. If you shoot the smallest hog, then your official, your bartender for the night, you are... Well, what if it's like... Piglet size? Real little target. Well... Our buddy Preston's also coming in, not to hunt, but Preston is definitely stretching out his culinary skills right now, and he's got a recipe for not piglets, but smaller Smaller pigs. Yeah, He's, like, going to butterfly them, and he's got this unreal, like, slow cook recipes he's going to do for, like, a full, like, pig picking. So we do need a few. I call them eater hogs. Honestly, best, I think those best are the, ones. Yeah, they're the best ones to have. But this is going to be a really, really fun week. We're going to have a lot of different podcasts, and I mean, honestly, looking at this table, like <laughs> it just in this room, there's fun stuff there, everywhere. There's Kill Cliff. <laughs> there's iced coffee. There's bullet bourbon. There's podcast gear. There's more Antlers. coffee than we know what to do with. Yeah, more coffee than we know what to do with. <laughs> there's pool table's currently out of service. <laughs> the pool table's out of service because there's the wrong kind of stick on it. Yeah, they're they're well, I got a big a big thunder cannon courtesy of uh Rogue Tactical. I had them build me a long distance rifle cuz I you taught me how to shoot. I shouldn't say taught me, uh, but you gave me like some like 4 minutes. Yeah, yeah, you gave me some starter <laughs> Just on some long-range rifle stuff about a month and a half ago with Andy's um, rifle, and I just really liked it. So I just I want to just shoot for accuracy at long distance. So 
we had our buddy uh, Wes and Tony who have a really cool custom, kind of a custom build. I don't know if it's a shop or, I mean, they really tailor to people that are like, this is the gun I want. This is the purpose. This specific crowd who comes in, I, I don't know if I would say it's, I don't want to speak for them, but it seems to be tailored towards the individuals a little bit more refined in their tastes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like a personal gun build service. So I told them exactly, you know, I want to shoot this, di- I want to be able to shoot this distance. I want to really have an accurate gun. It's something I'm going to kind of play with, around with for fun. I want to do more, I guess, sniper type you know schooling with you because that's your forte and i really enjoyed that so i had him build me one and it is it is super accurate my gosh is it accurate i I'll, won't do it justice if i describe uh the way that they built it but then um trevor you built me um an M- m4 which mm-hmm. was kind of based off i guess your personal preference from your old days is yeah that, that right mm-hmm what is it? Give it's, it uh, give, give it the rundown. It's not really an M4, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, it's an AR. Oh, okay. It's an yeah. AR type. Full auto, or yeah. half full auto. It's an AR mm. type rifle because it's a civilian purchase. Uh, so it's from Triarch, which okay. is in Texas. Yep. Those guys have always treated me well, uh, and I told them what we were going to be doing and that I wanted something that would be a workhorse that you just wouldn't be able to beat up. And that's what they put together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try. I will certainly try. Well, you tried this morning. Well, if you think about it, that's why they issue them in, you know, Western NATO block countries. That's, I mean, the AR M4 platform, they're just a workhorse. It's a great, Yeah. it has its limitations, but as far as driving that thing hard, it'll treat you well for years. And and that's what I told him. I'm like, look, I want something he can put, you know, 10,000 plus rounds through and we're not going to have to worry about it. Especially now that I'm a guy, like I'm technically right clay am i a guide i'm a guide yeah okay you guys have that guide because i'm walking around with no bow just walk you know now i know what you feel like yeah i'm like this kind of sucks but not particularly (laughs) please miss so i can (laughs) so i can can do my guide duties with this new (laughs) fun thing i've got in my hand but um no in all fairness we're just here to have fun with some good friends we're gonna shoot around a little bit uh do some hunting we're going to do some grilling. I'm going to teach you how to fully break down your hog that you shot. We've mm-hmm. got that hanging in the cooler right now. And I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Where do you want to start? You want to start with your first hog hunt and what you thought of that? Yeah, it was cold <laughs> and dark. <laughs> it is, people. And exciting. So everyone knows. We have no water right now in the Buffalo house. It's froze solid. It was what was dude. it with wind chill this morning? Uh, uh, at home, it was right at zero. Yeah, that's what that's, was what, a, Lauren, that's what Lauren said in it the was, uh, in It the was shop. a solid 15 degrees driving over here. All yeah. I know is when we went for our cruise this morning, I was on the side of the side-by-side that was eating the wind, and <laughs> I could not – I could feel every filling in my – my teeth, <laughs> but I could not feel feel like my back two molars or the entire side of my face. But it was so numb. But you and Andy looked so comfortable. He was. He side. looked comfortable in the back. I had he, three jackets. Yeah, on. he was bundled two of which up. Which I'm still wearing. <laughs> and a beanie. Those pictures will be going up, so you guys can know how yeah. cold it was. No one packed for 
the Arctic. Like, yeah, no one thought we were doing a hog hunt in Alaska. Yeah. I, I told Doug, I said, you better bring the incinerator bibs. He said, I don't need stuff that cold. I said, okay. <laughs> so, Dudley, why do you why do you think that uh, hog hunting is so valuable? Because we were having this conversation about the hunt we did previous to this with the sheep. Yeah, let's. I think let's back up to that because you and I did not get to do that, but we went on a – we went on a pretty cool hunt also with someone who had never, you know, um, had success as a bow hunter. We were down there with, um, our good buddy, Brian Chantosh yep. and we, or I took him a bow and we went down there to pretty much mentor him into bow hunting, give him a little bit of experience. I think you did that. I was there to just, uh, Heckle. shoot things myself. I'm not mentoring <laughs> anybody at this point in time. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, okay. However you want to put it, but. We went to a place who is actually a friend of Brian's. His name is Doug. CS Outfitters. CS Outfitters. And he had a really, really cool place in the Texas Hill Country that was west of San Antonio. And they had um, different types of exotic rams. and Which we didn't pay attention to the first day. Had I known that those were on the table, my day would have been different. Yeah, we were actually there for, Andy and I were there for an axis hunt to get to get Tosh something. And then, you know, mainly axis for us. But as we started stalking around this place, I saw those rams and I talked to Doug. And he's like, yeah, there are some rams here. And I told him, or I told you, I said, dude, shooting rams is a, real like it's a really good way to hone in your skills for spot and stock because they can see so well and it kind of you know we had a really good hunt chantosh uh messed up of you know a few little stocks um you and i got busted yep. several times had to like recalibrate and adjust and you know every time we would bump them you know, they'd end up a mile or something away, you know, and we'd have to keep going. And I just feel like those situations during this time of year, because even when I met Clay, I came down here in March during that time as kind of my prep for bear hunting and turkey hunting. Because I do a lot of, even though I'm a bow hunter, I do, I do a lot of, you know, kind of, I call it running and gunning for turkey hunt, you know, for turkeys where you kind of relocate and try to ambush and sometimes i shoot them where i have decoys but i'm not necessarily in a blind but certainly on the bear hunts if you can if you can shoot hogs spot and stock or if you can shoot those ram spot and stock as a bow hunter you are a hundred percent prepped for spot stock mule deer or spot and stock black bears it, i mean it is like the perfect training tool and it's a during a great time of year where you know we've kind of hunting season ended long enough ago to where you know at that time i was ready for it to end but now like a month's passed and i'm like when can i hunt again september 11th was my <laughs> end of my season well I, I didn't hunt after that yeah you did well that trip to texas was the first time i had hunted yeah after we that. shot a bunch of whitetails and then, and then that's you, just target. Then practice. you shot the Rams. Now you've shot a hog. <laughs> I think yeah. you mean like for now. Yeah, between for, now and well, then. Well, the the whitetails that I shot. I mean, that's definitely I would consider that to be, and it's an amazing experience and the reps and the comfort. But actually getting on the ground and maneuvering like we were for the elk. The first time I had done any spot and stalking was back with those Rams, and we. I loved it because 
You would see that's them. during this season because yeah. you've certainly spot and stocked. Uh, this year, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like the fact that, of course, you see them first because you're two feet taller than me, and I can't see over you. And you're like, there they are, and I say, okay. But we talk about it and we stalk, and then we would get busted, particularly by that one. But they would move, and we would talk about it, and we would stalk. So it's stalk. It's a lot, reminded me a lot of uh, Lanai. It just wasn't as jumpy of an animal, I guess. Yeah. But see him stalk, even if you're not successful. I still see him. St- just the repetition of the stalking, and then finally we got to a spot where you can take a shot, and it was awesome. Well, the other thing that's cool too is both of the things that we're talking about hogs. So people can come down here and hunt <coughs> hogs with clay, and it's an affordable hunt. Yep. Guys can come down for like a long weekend as well. Um, and then even with the Rams, Doug had, um, and I'll make a post to share this, but, but Doug, um, I told him, I said, Hey man, you should focus more on these Rams for bow hunters and really market this as opportunity for people to learn spot and stock. Cause there's got, you know, like Clay was saying, um, he's never done an elk hunt. And so he wants to do that. Now, granted he's, probably not the perfect example because he's guided so many guys on spot and stock hogs but if you're someone from oklahoma who's never done that type of thing um spot and stock or something you're going on your first mule deer hunt or bear hunt or elk hunt that's gonna you be really have hard. to learn yeah trevor well you bear hunted but just no that's what i mean before the bear hunt yeah but you know what's even today you learn something yeah today when we were walking there, well, there's one thing I haven't told you that yet that I want to tell you, but this morning as we got out and started to walk just because of the conditions, I was sitting here thinking to accomplish a stock today with like that fresh, oh, crusty man. frost, oh, yeah. I was thinking someone would have to be so tactful to maneuver where they're not seeing that soil turned the over because the soil was cracking where the old right. uh, cattle tracks were. So you almost need to f- choose different foot placement. So that was like one thing someone could have learned just today. You would have tried to stalk, and the hog would have busted you. And if you had a decent guide, it had been like, man, you're kind of loud going in. And that's a lesson learned, an important one. And, and realistically, th- all three of us likely wouldn't have been able to go, right? I no. Mean, only one person no. would have even had a chance at it. I was like 10 yards out of the side by side when we, you know, I kind of said, I want to go up and check this. So we parked probably, I don't know, 200 yards away from a little area we were going to check. I got 10 yards from the side by side and I, I was just like, okay, if we get eyes on something, it's not going to be, Hey, I'm going to be on your shoulder and we're going to go in. It's going to be like solo mesh walk as quiet as (laughs) you possibly can. (laughs) And we're going to keep at least a 200 yard buffer because otherwise it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. From a guide perspective, quiet. that's a situation where you, you put somebody and say, I'm going to stay right here and keep eyes on them. Yep. You go do your thing. Yeah. Every do. time they turn around to look at you, you give them the thumbs up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you try to give them some direction <laughs> and get to this point. You know, you may have you know, ranged a tree or yeah. a bush or something like that. Hey, do your best to get to this point. Choose your steps wisely. And just it yeah. is what it is at that point. But, yeah, you kind of have to make those tactful decisions to say my first, uh, my first hog kill here. Remember that hog explosion? I f- <laughs> think that's what we called it. We had that little video because Jimmy was up on the hill. Yeah, and I stalked in, and we thought it was a cold. It was a. Re- it wasn't this cold, but it was unseasonably cold. I remember right. that. I think it might have been in March, but 
he spotted he's like hey i think there's a couple hogs bed under that tree and so we looked at them and the opportunity was pretty good and once i started stalking in i got to where i'm like okay i'm within range but i couldn't quite see the vitals i could see the back of the hog and i thought i need to get a little closer so i can kind of get my shot to where i know i'm not shooting through the top half of the hog i need to be able to shoot in that bottom half of the hog so i kept going and kept going and i pulled back and i remember i just i thought okay just put your top pin on them and just keep walking until you get the shot so i just kept walking and walking and walking i think i got to like 10 yards and i could see that there was more than one they were kind of all side by side but there was one that was noticeably bigger and when i shot it looked like those youtube videos where people step on those spiders where all the like mass chaos yeah where all the other spiders blow out of there that's what it was like there was like 20 hogs and what they had done was um i think that you must have had an, a, a round bale there at one time made a nest yeah they had dug it out and the whole pack of hogs were all stacked in there like a bird nest but i you couldn't see it because the bigger ones were like on the top yeah the sows will actually i don't know how they do it but somehow they throw straw and grass and whatever they'll yeah. actually put it on top of them and where you can't really see what it is yeah until Till you know, it mass happens. Ca- till mass chaos so happens. What's the move there when you shoot and you're 10 yards away? Get them all. Know what I mean? Like after they all <laughs> move. Like, for plenty. They, well, they will. I mean, they'll come after you, right? If they get pissed. So is the, the move wrong just one, to stand yeah. still? Yeah. You know, in my experience, <laughs> it, the only time that really happens is if a sow, if you're between her and her babies, which I don't care if it, what it is. If it's an, an yeah. elk, a deer, you know, you piss, off, mom, you piss up off a mom. It's bad yeah. news. Yeah. That's my only experience, and them coming at you just might be the direction which is out, and so you just are unfortunately in that but wrong just stand spot. still. Yeah, I've had it. Yeah, I've had wounded <laughs> wounded boar hogs. I've had come come in hot. Yeah, I think YouTube does an injustice on how mean they really. They're you piss off a mom. Yeah, that's the situation. That's with anything. You're right. It's the same with like with bears too. It you know if you see a sow if. If she has her cubs on the other side of her, they're gone. But as soon as you get in between them, that's a different situation altogether. Right. And that's just nature. You know, that's a that's a bad situation with any type of animal. Right. You know. But um the other the one thing I was gonna tell you, Trev, is um that one time when we were making that stock where we thought we had saw the four hogs and the red one mm-hmm. and we kinda went once we just once we realized it wasn't playing out. We decided to go back to the side by side. Whenever, whenever I'm in the, whenever I'm out hunting, I always pretend like something was is within earshot of me. Um, just like your noise level. Once once you realize, oh, there, you know, this isn't going to happen. We're going to go back to the truck. Your noise level walking back. It's almost like you weren't paying attention to where you were stepping and stuff. That's a really common mistake people make is people think that you only have to be quiet once you're like engaged on a target. And I've found personally that when I creep, like I treat every second of being out in the field as if I'm still hunting to a point. If I leave the vehicle and I'm like, I'm going to come around this corner. If I go around that corner and nothing's there, I still try to ease back Instead of, you know, because there could be something just barely beyond that. Or 
if you were quiet enough going in, there's times where I've gone on a stock and I come back and I encounter something coming back just out of freak chance. And it's one of those things where if you kind of blow it out, then, you know, and not to mention there could have been stuff bedded that we went by that we might, might see tonight. So I, I just think if you always treat your places like they're like something's there, I think your imprint on the place is much, much less. And I think it really increases, um, your opportunity. My uncle down in Mississippi was adamant. I'm talking if we ever left camp and went in the woods, he was always like, you need to creep, you know, slip in there, ease in there. I mean, that's for me and my cousin, John, if you walk noisy at all, he would just stop. You can just see his shoulders shrug up like, and it'd be like, okay, I get it. You know? And, and we always had, we had more success than like neighbors around us and stuff because I really believe because we, we do that. And I think even if it, even if you don't have success that day, the next day when you go in there, you know, maybe there's a doe or two that stayed because you were easing in there enough to where you didn't blow them out. And then maybe a buck comes in to tend that doe the next day. You know, it's just small little things like that. As a guide, what, like, what's some of the few things that you see hunters consistently do wrong that ends up costing them not being successful in a, in a camp? Should I answer that? Yeah, question? say it. It's important. <laughs> I, I I had a podcast like this with um with Dusty, who I who I've bear hunted with him and or his dad for twenty years. I told him, you know, hey man, what's three mistakes hunters make when they show up at bear camp? You know, what is it? Because I know guys that I've been with where I, you know I have to share a, a truck with like two on one hunts, and you know loud walkers is definitely one you know one of the things right and we kind of i guess uh somewhat eliminate the creeping and i totally agree with that you know your total footprint on the ranch because we typically drop our hunters off at the front door with either a side by side or a pickup but i also think and, and granted our situation is it's an outlier it's just at our place and i'm not yep. saying take what we do and you know implement that anywhere else as far as our footprint with a side-by-side a truck a four-wheeler that sort of thing they see that every day every all day, day. Well, yeah we're, we're constantly filling feeders you know cows feeding cows i mean this our checking tr- fence yeah our trucks are, burns. are a fixture of of the ranch so we can kind of eliminate that mistake mm-hmm. um but I can also speak to that, like with our turkey hunts, when you were, you know, speaking of the run and gun, yep. that's what we do 95% of the time. And a lot of times it is that case. It's your quiet's a little different than my quiet and your stop is a little different than my stop and so on and so on. So I think it's just that hunter being prepared to have that imprint that's correct. Yeah. And, and, and just take direction. And that's probably with the biggest mistake maybe with some of my guys is just almost just listening to the guide, take the guide's advice. May you may he may take you somewhere that is does not look good, does not appear to be somewhere that is whatever we're hunting, but mm-hmm. you just have to have trust that we've done our due diligence. We're yeah. we're gonna put you in the best spot. So mistake one would probably be just listen to your guide. Yeah. In whatever situation that is. Um mistake two 
probably scent control more than anything and not to the biggest degree, but you know, a, a guy smoking a cigarette in the truck or on the, on the porch or something like that. And I can smell fried bacon on him and all that stuff. And I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, Andy. I like his dog. <laughs> There's a dog wants a headset. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a, He's got a new best friend. Oh, I'm his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, scent control, I think, would be up there. Um, I'm not a big scent control person. Well, and I don't really mean that in the sense of, and I'm not either. I'm not the guy that's going to go wash all his car- stuff in carbon and yep. get dressed at the stand. But I do believe that there's some degree of, if you smell like a cigarette, probably ought to maybe not smoke in the blind or, you know what I mean? I just, I think there's you're just minimizing something there. Yeah. And we do our best to always check the wind and the weather and everything like that to try to maximize a hunter's situation. But I, I also agree. I'm not a huge sink control guy, but I think there's a degree of where you need to be a little. Well, like we talked about imprint going in and out. Correct. I, I know I think that, to that point, I know that for there's areas where in BC where we'll see bears constantly feeding in a field and Bert's really adamant about if you if we see the bear, we're going to go, but we're not going to, like, hit the field edge. Even if we know the bear's, like, you know, bedding or something, or even if we think he could be feeding just in the timber somewhere where maybe we're just not seeing him, Bert's really adamant about the more you walk through that area. And, it, and if your, like, boot prints are leaving more of a foreign sign – then obviously, especially things that really rely on smell, like bears definitely do, then I just, that will have a negative impact. I mean, when it comes to playing the wind, I personally don't care what you do. I think, I think, you know, yeah, and I, I think you have to play the wind. And it probably depends too, early season to late season, the pressure, whatever yeah. that has to do, you know, with what we're doing. Um, and we really try to minimize how much pressure we put on with whatever we're hunting. But I think later in the season, obviously you've been in and out a lot more just trying to minimize that. So I don't know if I'd call that a mistake, but it's something that I've noticed over the years. But um, really, I think number one, it really just boils down to being prepared for whatever hunt you're on. If you're going on a turkey hunt with me, you probably need to be able to put some miles on your boots. So being prepared to try to keep up with us. Cause I tell my guys all the time that, I'm not going to stop until you tell me to stop. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm going to go till we need to, to finish whatever we're doing. Yeah. So being physically prepared and then really trusting and listening to your guide. Cause we definitely have your best interest at heart yeah. with whatever we're doing. And, and sometimes it may not look right to what you're doing, but we're, we're here 365. Yeah. You know, we, we know this, we know our ranch, we know our country, we know this area yeah that may be different outside of what we're doing but really just put some trust in your guide and let him do his thing and and probably number three for me would be patience i think guys get really impatient about things if it doesn't happen minute one of day one kind of thing seems like day three is a breaking point for a lot of people like mood around camp that's one of the reasons why normally when i go to camps it's like if i go i say can i just bring the entire camp of people i know Mm mm-hmm because <laughs> it, it's honestly it there's been times where i just you know see a outfitter that i know has really good opportunity and i've booked and go there and i'm 
I'm kind of the the one guy and then there might be two other guys from here and two other guys from there and it's like it seems like about day three or day four of a five six seven day hunt like people's true you know i don't know if it's their true colors but a color comes out and it's normally it's normally like in a crayon box it would be called butthole yeah (laughs) i'm I'm laughing because i think of our alberta hunt that we did last year a 10-day stretch of mile oh we would have broke so many people that's what i'm saying like i think of day three and it wasn't even bad yet it it got worse in day four and worse in day five we're sleeping soaking wet in an rv that smelled like seven dudes sleeping in an rv soaking wet (laughs) like we're cooking in the rain and i'm like i'm having the time of my life it's awesome but i know i can only imagine people's universe coming unraveled if if we had invited an unknown quantity into that it would not have been good. Well, yeah. and I know it was aggravating, but I was glad on the back end for what I was learning because I didn't get that bear until day four. Yep, yep. Yeah, you got your bear towards the end, and then you got another opportunity yeah. right away. And I, I ran that guide ragged. Yeah. The best stories happen in the suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's totally true. Like, for for Andy and I, we, we talked about that with even with Barklow. Yeah. Because... You know, if it weren't for me and Andy, like Barclow couldn't have got an elk. Cause I don't think he would have gotten one if it wasn't for me. Yeah. Because I did a lot. <laughs> yeah. I held a camera and I filmed <laughs> Dudley doing what he does. <laughs> I really. Everybody a needs criti- a camera guy. I had yeah. a critical role there, which was stand in the very back and try not to mess Proof. anything up. <laughs> yeah. Proof, though. Proof. He, he wasn't. Uh, he didn't want to. You know what's the funny thing? I think back, he didn't want to go out really. He didn't want to go out because he knew if we got one, he knew that that would mean a lot of things could go wrong. He knew you needed to be home. Um, last light, last day. Last minute. Last five minutes of last light. And I had a flight six down. hours later. And yeah. then the real work begins. And then yeah. we hadn't packed yeah. camp yet. Like, he was looking at reality. There's days where I really want to hunt the last day, but I think, you know what, it's going to take me half a day to, to pack camp. And as much as I want to go out this morning, if I did something, say I hit something in the liver and needed to give it time, oh, man. this is going to be a bad, bad situation. And that's what that's what Barklow was in. But for me, I I kind of as hunts go on and as it as you continually don't have success, for me, it's like it. I just it turns the volume up. <laughs> We had, I mean, am I right? I you're talking about revenge. Yeah, yeah. Much like what happened at the end of the CS Outfitters uh, evolution. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, every day that goes by where you don't have success in relation to punching the tag. Now it's personal. Yeah, and I keep feeling like it's every day that I have investment in not having success, my success feels better when it happens. And so that's all I'm thinking is, yeah, 10 more miles, man. It's going to be that much more bittersweet. Dad, you make a heck of a guide because that's guide mentality because that's the only thing we can live on is success because, I mean, we grind, you know, a turkey season. I'll be 25, 30 days. Or on a 30-day season, we're probably out 20 days. Waterfowl, mm-hmm. I'm out 40 days straight. So it's the next day, you know, it's yeah. how we – or at least how I cope. I mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's a real struggle. So. There's a, there's a dog. I put in 200 miles underfoot yeah. before my bull hit the ground, and but it how? was a sweet, sweet 
afternoon on yeah. the mountaintop. The hike back to camp kind of sucked, and the pack out the next day kind of sucked, but that night was awesome. <laughs> well, that's what I, I've probably Honestly, yelled. when we were cutting up, it was awesome. I remember having, like, two times I had to tell Barklow, calm the freak down, bro. <laughs> I'm not going to rush this. I'm enjoying every second of it, so just calm down. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not in a rush. Like, this is this – is, Andy and I got 200 miles into this. I'm going to sit here and slice and dice all day if if that's what it takes cuz I'm enjoying every minute of it. Like I liked having a little bit of flesh on my hands for a while. And if it had only taken us 2 miles, it would have been a completely different experience. Yeah, we'd have been like that. Yeah, we probably, I mean, we would have talked about it, but certainly not as many times as we talk about it now. It wouldn't have been it would have been still would have been awesome, but I would have learned substantially less and it wouldn't have had the mark on me that it did. Because my feet were tired after those two hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on your damn chicken legs around. Yeah. When Dudley turns back, he says, walk where I walk. And you have to look at him and go, I can't. We, uh, we spotted stocks and pigs <laughs> yeah. back here one time in this field. And uh, Dudley was leading the pack. I think it was Tyler Stark's first hunt. And I was I don't even know why I was out there. But I was like. Was Jim Miller with us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's even better. Well, and him and even I, I ended up winning out going on our own. We, we, uh, we kind of equaled footsteps. But. Dudley was kind of, he got into spot stock mode and kind of looked back at me and I'm like, you gonna have to chill out just a second. <laughs> My little short legs can't keep up with you. I promise you, I know what I'm doing here. So <laughs> I, I can, I can relate with you there, Andy. So yeah. come on. He's got a, he's got a switch. He flips. Yeah. I love it though. Cause I can oh, see it. it flips. Go yeah. I can see it go on. I'm like, Oh, something is about to die. Yeah. And that, that was my first experience with him. And I was like, and I, and I think that's probably the first time I'd met John. And I just, I didn't really know what I was doing other than just doing normal guide stuff with John. And it was, it was a little different experience. That, that was for sure. So Dudley, you've guided a bunch of first time hunters. What are three mistakes? What are the top three that you see? Um, Okay, top three, I would say... Or give me the longest list you want to, but... No, I think it's fair. Top 87. I think number one would be um, being ill-prepared in uh, in relation to your equipment and really knowing what that equipment is. Um, Trevor made this mistake, actually. Well, you made two, if I'm truthful. One is he went into a shop, asked for field points. They sold him field points. Luckily, we didn't sight his bow in. Um, we, I gave him a broadhead, and we sighted it at 20 yards because uh, he was shooting at my range. And then we went out, and when we shot the hog, I had a 20 or a 100 grain tripan on, and knew exactly where he should hold, and he made a perfect shot. Great. Well, the next day we were going to print his sight tape, so I said, put on your, all your field points on. Let's really get a full calibration for you 125 so, grains yeah they're 100 like I, gr- I grabbed his arrows and i'm like dude what are these weigh and he's like i don't know and i'm like <laughs> i said I, I said this is too long to be a 100 grain head it's a 125 and i had already got a 50 yard mark with it you know i'd already walked back and then when i pulled it out and he handed it to me i'm like well this isn't right so i put a 100 grain in there and shot and we were like you know whatever it is it was certainly high so i'm like i gotta redo all this um so that was one was just you know not knowing and so you know and that's not a mistake on the hunter that could be a mistake of them just having like faith 
in what's going on. But if you would have, you know, if you if you would have sighted in with field points and then actually shot your broadheads, you would know that. But and so, in all honesty, I um, yeah, I, I didn't show you this at my house. I have a bag that's not small, full of wrong <laughs> diameter field points, <laughs> full of wrong weight point because i'll like go I, into the store you. and i'm in a rush and yep. i grab it and i screw it on my arrow i'm like shit i think it's okay if the broadhead's two times the width of the shaft. <laughs> i think that's fine <laughs> until you're trying to pull it out of the foam target you're like i that guess i'll just untwist work. it i mean i'm a total idiot when it comes to that too i have a ziploc uh, gallon Ziploc yeah. bag full of dumb shit that I bought <laughs> in an archery store because I wasn't paying attention. And yeah, but you, the but diff- I didn't know when I first started. I'm just or, oh my god, the rabbit hole when I first met you. The internet damn near crushed me. <laughs> those <laughs> points are awesome. And like, oh those, why is it rattling around in my chat? <laughs> why does that yeah. work? Oh man. Well, <laughs> the thing is though, you you actually did what I don't want people to do, or one of the mistakes they they do is at least you shot it at home and you know, and it went into the shit bag. Whereas guys that show up at camp and they've got a brand new pack of broadheads, they've got a brand new pack of field points, and they have no they, idea. They, were, they only had four yeah. of their old arrows left, so they went and bought another 12, and they've got a different fletching on there, and you see these guys put, like, the new arrows in their quiver. I mean, that's a problem. That's a problem for an outfitter. That's, that's a news. problem for them. That's a problem. It's 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 not ethical for the animal that's out there. And when we were stalking with Trevor, he had um, two tripans in and two other broadheads. I don't even know. It doesn't matter. But they were fixed blades. And when I looked at him, I'm like, have you ever shot these? And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, <laughs> Do not put that on your bow. Because I was looking at it thinking, I don't really think this is going to fly the same as what he's shooting. So just the fact that you go out with something in your quiver that you ha- that you don't have experience with, I think is a – I don't think it's a, a wise choice. And it's not necessarily unwise because you might not be accurate. Anyone who goes on a hunt has – a lot of t- you know you've got time invested you've got money invested but more importantly at least for me you have like the stamp of approval from the from the wife to be on that trip like that time away in my opinion is like more valuable than a broadhead it's more valuable than what i paid for the hunt you know i have to pick and choose windows to do these things and if you're gonna take time away from your family and go on this thing and you're going there like completely ill prepared it's just it's a it's an unfortunate mistake a lot of people make so not knowing your equipment and not spending some time behind it before you go on that hunt is number one number two is going to be loud walkers like you know honestly (laughs) honestly if you go out and and practice some of that stuff and practice easing around and you know if if you're walking and um for example today when we were walking there's a few times where we were walking back to the buggy and i'm not picking on you trevor i know you're learning so that's (laughs) i am but i have a story for you uh trevor after this (laughs) <laughs> well, here's there's there's a reason why you guys don't naturally do that. Like 
you know, because when I remember you I telling me. I don't make me, noise when I walk. <laughs> okay. I remember Andy <laughs> telling me, he's like, he's like, you know, there were certain times where we were moving, like we didn't have to worry about noise. And he's like, we certainly didn't have to worry about people like smelling us. So you're in a lot of trouble if it comes down to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're really close. But, Do you, you know, like a knife, a lot of times if I'm in route to something, especially if you're like going down ranch roads like this, where tires have been hitting all the time is just a much quieter path. So I, I understand a lot of people want to like kind of whisper and talk as you're going. But when I'm walking down a tire track, I'm not walking down a track for no reason. I'm walking down a track because I'm trying to be quiet. So then when someone like comes to your side just because they want to be there, like at least be in that other natural tire track because those tires have crushed all that like switchgrass stubble and all that stuff. And it's just like it's that extra noise and crunch. And I just can't – there's no way for me to compact all of my – experience of 30 years of bow hunting into the amount of times where a shot opportunity just pops out and you're like you know i don't know how many times i've been on two-on-one hunts where a bear will pop right out and the guy's like well i took my release off because oh, no. you know or you know i didn't know we were in our hunt mode yet i thought we were going down to so-and-so by the river and it's like Anytime you're out, you have to be, and it was that way with the big boar that we saw on night two, you know, we were going out and even though we're, I said, let, you know, let's kind of go out and see what we see. You weren't like ready to hunt. So when we saw that boar, you know, and you weren't far off, but just you having to, to get your bow situated and kind of get your release and get your bino harness on, that was enough time for us to not be able to, because I got out of the buggy and just ran to get the, our wind right because I knew our wind was sketchy. And we held tight in the sketchy area just long enough to where that boar smelled us at 400 yards. Where if I would have saw him cut off, ran off to the side and got the wind favorable right away, we we might have got away with it. So um, I think just you know, trying to do what we said at the beginning is really minimize imprint and, and being a hunter that if you're on a hunt with a guide and if you're in a guide's vehicle, be ready to hunt, like have your bow with you. Like don't have it at a place where you can't get to it. Have your release with you, like be able to be able to act in those just spontaneous moments. Cause they do happen. Yeah, I mean, as, as much as you want to, to go to a stand, be dropped off, and you know, get in the tree, and a big whitetail comes out 30 minutes later. You might be driving down the road, and all of a sudden, your guide looks out, and he's like, "There's a 140 bedded right under that tree." You know, slip out. I'm going to keep going and try to stalk in on him. You know, you have to be ready for those moments. So I think just minimal imprint, being ready all the time, and then. Don't walk loud. So I have to tell the story. Okay. So this was in Texas. We're going after. Last we were, year? We were, no. Um, with Tosh. When was it? <coughs> a month and a half ago? I don't know. It was it was uh, <laughs> 2019. But this is, uh, this is a loud walker because Dudley hates loud walkers. So we had been separate hunting, and then we linked up to go after the sheep. Yeah. And we're walking on a road together for less than five minutes, and he stops, and he looks at me, and he goes, 
I hate your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just turns around and starts walking in. Meanwhile, he's wearing Vans. Dude, those Vans. <laughs> he, said the same, he said the same thing about my pants no, in this field. <laughs> he's told me before, he's like, walk with your legs further apart. But this one in Texas is hilarious. He just stopped. He's like, he didn't even look at my shoes. He looked at me and was like, I hate your shoes. <laughs> it just it got personal. <laughs> I remember those pants. Those, is They're that the, the ones? ones? Yeah. Yeah, we went on a stalk, and I forget I forgot what it was. Get that corduroy sound. It was real windy yeah. that day, too. And um, I remember you're like, I know they're not that loud, but it's fairly windy today. But And the problem is I know I'm not dead quiet walking. Like there's certain angles you're at at a person where you get all the all the audio audibles. No, only Andy doesn't make noise when he walks. <laughs> but there's cer- I haven't ever made a noise yet. I might sometime in the future. It hasn't right. happened yet. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Just I need to. Sharon tells me at times, well, she's my filter of when she says, you know, you might have been a little bit <laughs> brash on how you came across about that. Which is why you don't that. take her around us hunting, huh? No, I, she would be, she would, actually Sharon or Harry, if they hunted with you, they would be just as critical. Yeah, because but you're keeping us in check, though. <laughs> I, I mean, and I mean that from a positive standpoint, yeah. though, like, maybe, you know, from a guide perspective or a hunter perspective, though, like, you still are keeping us in check, like. Maybe I should listen. I mean, like I think I think There's we're laughing. There's going to be a balance cheek. of positive and negative feedback. Oh yeah, hundred percent. What Trevor's talking about is in our old job, the balance swung much farther or yes, further, sir. I should say, to the negative uh, reinforcement, which I think you would appreciate though, because <laughs> yeah, you would thrive and survive. I don't think I told you this, but when I was elk hunting with Pratt, um, Sika sent him clothes, and so they put him on backwards. No, they said no. He's he's smart. He's he's super he's smart super enough. straightforward. But um, he just kind of put to use what they sent him, and because of the time of year, and it was like a last minute deal. They were totally out of oh, all the pants except for the going. rain pants. So he came into camp the first night with the rain pants, and he's like, "Yeah, we you know he kind of talked to me about the hunt and stuff." And man. I go, I go, dude, did you wear that all day? He's like, "Yeah." Why? And I'm like, did you feel like you were like sweating like in a soup kitchen? He's yeah. like, those he's are like, Gore-Tex, homie. He's like, they're pretty hot. And I'm like, I go, is it weird if I give you a pair of pants? He's like, why? I'm like, those are way too loud. I'm like, let me give you a pair of pants. So I gave him a pair of, uh, I gave him a pair, my backup pair, because I always travel with two Probably pairs of pants, two tops. Yeah. So I gave him my backup pair of pants. And the next day he's like, bro. Thank you. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's times where I know I know people, sometimes people have limited budgets, and it's like, you know, I need one set of hunting clothes. It's almost like buy a quiet set of hunting clothes, and if it's raining, use your rain gear from home because, you know, you're almost you're less likely to be heard in in rain and obviously think of how many times it rains a month like percentage wise be quiet 95 percent of the time right i agree with that you know some people show up and they've got um those aren't hogs under that pole out there no i've been watching those for an okay. hour okay okay <laughs> <laughs> believe me you would have seen me take my headset off excuse me gentlemen i'll be right back <laughs> kaboom <laughs> yeah but never um, mind. I'm just grabbing a rifle. You guys continue talking. Yeah, I think. Uh, so hold on. You have uh, familiarity gear, with gear, gear prep. Gear prep for sure. Loud walker. Loud walkers. Yep. Number three. Yep. Number 
Well, number three, I think for sure is, uh, I guess it can't be for sure if I don't really know. Um, could I add, it's probably hard to yeah. narrow down to be honest with all this. Well, I see. kind of agree with what I do agree <laughs> with what Clay says. Cause I've said this a lot of times and I've, and I honestly, um, two months ago when I went on a whitetail hunt with some guys at Sitka, they booked a whitetail hunt on a place that they had no experience with. And I showed up there and, you know, they kind of put me with these, with my guide. And right away I thought, okay, this is definitely me when I was 20. Talking about your guide. Yeah. Okay. My guy, I'm thinking this is, this is me at 20. Like I'm into hunting. I've kind of helped people put some guys out, you know, but <laughs> there's definitely like an experience level that he's lacking, but I'm like, you know, Hey dude, where are we going? So he, he took me and he put me in my stand. And I like get in there and I'm thinking, and I, actually I made a post. Do you remember that post I made from Delaware or Maryland? It was like say. this, the, this, like the sound of the seat, the, the ladder I was in. Oh, I remember that. It I, was like, the, no, no, I was I facing remember. my only shooting lanes with the wind right at my back. Sounds like an I, optimal yeah, setup for me. Yeah, there was so many things. <laughs> no that sound. Were, there were so I'm many not things. Make any noise, and I also don't smell. Yeah, so they can't smell me. There were so many things where <laughs> I'm, I'm like, invisible. I have a one percent chance of shooting anything right now. Everything has to go right. Let, let me ask you. But this. you know Did what? Something walk out. No. No. Good, because you do have a horseshoe directly <laughs> up your ass. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But it's um, true. Yeah. yeah, so then the next – so that night I went back, and there, he's like, hey, man, what happened? And I said, I, I didn't really see much. And I said, w you know, what's your plan for tomorrow? And he he told me. That was the key question. Yeah, well, he and he said, you know, I think we might do this. And honestly, I just said, okay, let's do it. And I'm like, is that – do you think that's your, your 100%, you know, is that what you would do? And he's like, yeah. And I went and got in this spot and, you know – I got in it, and right away I thought I would never have picked this place. <laughs> but <laughs> I, me. but honestly, I sat there and I did that. I did. We, it was. I was only there for two days, but I did that for two full days. And in the end, I left that hunt thinking, okay, I was right. Like I would not have done any of that. But I never. I honestly never went back and told the owner like this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Nothing like. Because I've had times where I've gone hunting and, you know, honestly, hunts like this where you're going and you're with a rancher and he's got um, blue jeans on and a flannel shirt and he's taking you to the stand and he's like, you know, antelope go by this fence crossing a lot. And you're in the, you're literally looking around like, yeah, right. <laughs> And I'm talking drops you off, pulls away with freaking tools and welders banging around in the back of his truck. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. and he's like, hey, they should. And then they'll stop and he'll be like, hey, they, you know, they normally come here in a few hours. So just hang tight, man. And I'm like thinking, oh, my God, could he have talked any louder? And he bangs off and you're just like spinning the revolver like. <laughs> and sure enough, like. An hour and a half, all of a sudden, here comes a bunch of antelope, and you're like, is this happening? Yeah, <laughs> this is happening. I'm, at, I'm literally at the most, like, 
unlogical place on earth. And like the guy said, they come by this every day. Surprise. And surprise. you're there. So, I mean, you have to you have to trust that kid that says, hey, man, I'm out here all the time. I bail hay for this guy. And there's always mule deer by that pivot. But in there's times where you have to do it. I mean, and I've been know. that I've been that kid. Trust me. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this since yep. I was 23. So, I mean, I've been guiding guys much older than I am. So I definitely understand that for sure. What is he doing? How lost are you right now? He doesn't see. Oh, what happened? I just uh -oh. lost all audio. All audio the audio just gone. died. It did. Yeah. Yep. Interesting, but it's still <laughs> showing up here. Hello? That died. Hello? Did you just unplug? Oh, this is dead. Okay. Hold on. Well, if we that still have audio in the unit. But cool, if that, so we're recording. If that died, though, hold on. Let's figure this out because Antoine can fix this. What's happening? That means switch that plug. Oh, hit that switch. Yeah. That. Your switch Yeah, because you're on off. battery now. Boom, oh, we're back. Oh, we have a winner. Check, check. What you don't you see shit out at? there. I can see him. Where? Stand by, everybody. <laughs> hold up. Oh, podcast, hold on. Alright, we're back. Game on. <laughs> False alarm, it happens. Pick siding. Potential. Yeah. There is... Um, everyone, it's got to be tough to be there. Everyone heard the bet. By the way, if I spotted those, that was Andy and I's. Since we're on the that team, your, the your team. chum line, can you see him now like easier? Oh, that's why you I made. I can't see that at all without leaving. That's why Trevor and I are on the other yeah. side of the ranch. <laughs> Maybe it's I actually be tough being that twenty-three-year-old kid though too, and trying to it would be it would be try frustrating trying to be in a position where because I, I can't speak for anybody else, but I know when I'm getting to the the depth of my knowledge, and sometimes that bucket is an inch deep. Yeah, 100%. on some topics I have a, a deeper bucket, but on that one, and then you're responsible for guiding that person. I think the coolest thing, Dud, you could have done is not challenge that person and just let him do your thing, and you be you, and it's like not go and report him to his boss. I have to trust gonna, him. He's gonna be like, dude, I had I had John Dudley come in my stand, I hooked him up, and nothing came out. But you know what I mean? Versus, yeah, I used to work at this outfitter, and uh, then I, got, I put this I guy screwed. in a stand, and then I got fired. Right. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, it's it's definitely like a uh it's trial by fire, hundred percent. Well it's gotta be tough as a guide too, because I'm assuming, having never spent a moment as a guide, you're doing everything you can to make sure your hunter's successful and you can do everything right and they might not be. Sure, and I had this conversation the other day, I mean with a, one of my clients actually, um, with that exact same statement. I think I've and I don't know if cope is the right word or if I've learned that I would say oh, manage. Manage, there's a great word. The first few years, you know, I don't think I would sleep, you know, it's sick to my stomach, just not be able, trying to get, if, if all things are going wrong, to try to get that person something, whatever that animal is. And sometimes it is what it is. But over the years, I think this is the 10th year I've been guiding that. What I tell my guides now is what we do, we control our controllables and then we go from there because we're, we're hunting a wild animal. I mean, I don't know anything about hunting. But I think you can do everything right and still come back and get yeah, a cheeseburger for dinner. Yeah, 100%. You know? <laughs> and, and I think my like my clients appreciate that because yeah. I think they see our effort and our try and what we're doing. And if they strike out and eat a tag sandwich, they're okay with it because we've tried to do everything that we can to minimize that. And so 
yeah, over the years you just learn and just try to put every little tidbit in your back pocket and roll with it and see what happens and, and just put your best foot forward. So, What's the most you've ever spent on a trip, Dud, and ate some tag soup? Just so other people mm. who are, like, going over the counter and, like, not having success and thinking that hunting is miserable, I can only imagine the amount of money people have spent over the years and coming back empty-handed. Especially in archery, right? Yeah, I mean, well, funny enough – what a lot of people don't realize, I've had people invite me on hunts, like people that are, I don't, I don't, I guess I should, I guess they're like kind of, I don't know if I should call them like hunting moguls, but they're just certainly like hunting community personalities. Like iconic figures. Yeah. Where they'll say like, Hey, do you want to go on this hunt? And then I'll be like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, I've always wanted to do that. Thinking maybe they've got a deal because, you know, they're so-and-so but yeah because they're so-and-so and then they'll be like i'll never forget i'm not going to say who but a guy that's you know that's really reputable in the industry and everything like that i remember i said man you shoot some awesome mule deer and he said yeah dude i said you know you have a lot of luck down i think it was in mexico or somewhere wherever he had a he did a mule deer hunt like every year with a lot of guys hey Stop quit it. touching my stuff dude those are my secrets. Um, <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, now he took it. Um, <laughs> and I remember him saying, he's like, oh, yeah, dude. I mean, I got a deal on that. I'm talking cheap, you know, big muleys, spot and stock, cheap. And I'm thinking, okay, this is sounding good. And then he's like, yeah, I think we can do it for like 8500 And I'm looking at him like, huh, $8,500 for a mule deer? I'm like, dude, that's... To me, like, I would never be able to do that, you know. Yeah. I've I've been on hunts where I'm fortunate where I've been there for a commercial or something like that, and I get that. But my hunting budget, honestly, is less than what some of those types of people spend on one hunt. So I still try to – honestly, I still think of it as on some of these hunts that are expensive because, I mean, like, even – even peninsula bears the only reason i was able to do that peninsula hunt was just because of an outfitter that wanted some promotion he knew that i helped with like rebranding yeah we talked about that so he got here yeah so he he's like hey i want to rebrand a logo you know i need some like website creation i'd really like to do some photo galleries like he needed to rebrand so he's so he told me he's like you know if you want to come down here you can do this hunt at cost at cost of the tag so then i was able to do it but on some of these things i have to look at the fact of when someone says this is what a trip costs i do think well you know that's half of harry's college tuition this year or you know that's that's an entire year of college for harry i still have to think about that and then you say harry Get a goddamn better paying job. <laughs> take I, more, I take do. More I do. Take more credits next semester. Dude, I'm in the same boat. Like, uh, I have these conversations with Jamie. She's like, what does that cost? And my initial response is, of course, to lie to her because <laughs> I don't want to tell her the truth about the actual cost of the hunt. And then it's I balance those same things out. I'm like, okay, here we go. We're going to make it work. But it's it's not it's not yeah. easy for sure. Hunting Hunting's not – it's not cheap. And honestly um, – the bear hunt up in BC is a really good example of that. You know, it's, you know, I think it's, I forget what it is, but, you know, when you look at what those guys 
pay for their guide area, they're paying a guide, and then you look at how many miles we do trolling roads in BC and the cost of fuel there. You know, I've it's, been up there when a lot. I've been up there when it's you know I'm talking five to six bucks a gallon. I've been there. So the margins are low, is what you're saying? Yeah, the no, margins are, for the outfitter. Dude, I mean, I, I can't you look even at it. Figure how many miles we drove last year. Yeah, and think it of the fuel, absurd. and we're having to drive the fuel up well, on trailers. How many trailers. times did we ride that boat dry? Oh, yeah. Yeah, boating across the lake. I'm so bummed I missed this trip last year. Well, you're going this year, so <laughs> yeah. you're good. But, you know, you look at Clay, you do waterfowl hunts. I mean, wh- <laughs> you look at just when you came here, we were talking about um, we were talking about side-by-sides, and you're like, I got 18 grand in this side-by-side, but when I take my duck hunters, I can get where I need to go. Because for you, that all factors into the price of a hunt because – you need equipment that when guys show up, you can get them there every day. Because right. if you break down, that's a that's an issue for guys that are paying per day. Yeah, they can't look at you like an idiot. And you have to have the yeah, right exactly. you have to have the right decoys. You got to have, and not to mention just the amount of the amount of prep that you guys put into your waterfowl spots. I mean, that's honestly that's like a land investment what you guys put in. So to go back, I don't I don't know. To me. To me, a five thousand dollar hunt is is high. I mean, it's to me, yeah, to me, that's an expensive hunt. Really, the most expensive hunt that I do that I write a check for is when I go to be, uh, Alberta up with Red Willow Outfitters. But in saying that, when I go there, I don't ever buy one tag. So when I go up there, because I know the opportunity is high, and I I just I really like Todd and Taylor, they're just awesome people. As do I. They're I awesome. always have a mule deer. You know, I always go up there and buy a mule deer tag. I buy a bear tag that's in the spot and stock region. I get an elk tag, and a whitetail tag, because I honestly I'm up there for that first week of the season, and I don't know what I'm going to see. So I. Sp- I spend a lot, but we've also – there's been years where I've shot three species in seven days. So then I do the math on it. And I'm like, you know what? I couldn't do a couldn't do a, a mule deer hunt for this price. Yeah. I couldn't do just a whitetail hunt. You know, well, you probably do a whitetail hunt for that price. But you couldn't do an elk and a whitetail hunt for – so, yep. you know, for me, I start, like, looking at what what things are and – I don't know. I have to even I think even if I could totally afford it, there's certain times where I just really have to kind of keep things in check and part of that is because I want to be relatable to my followers. Um and I sh- you know I hate I, hate, I actually hate that word. That's why I, you know knock on nation to me is cool because stop looking at that telephone pole they're not moving i've been watching (laughs) over your shoulder for an hour (laughs) you realize we made a wager here correct everybody listening you realize we're also gonna win (laughs) everybody listening i'm sitting with my back to the window he just keeps looking right over my shoulder are you itching (laughs) i'm thinking Andy's fidgeting. It's on right now. Well, the pr- is my least Honestly, terms. if anyone else but Clay were here, <laughs> I would feel super comfortable with that. Like if Barclow was there and said, oh, yeah, Trevor and I are going to go out. We'll see who does what. 
but like yeah it's a problem he's got he's actually a problem he's got you know he's the guy that was born here so he's gonna be like you know what years ago me and my brother were out here crawling around we found where the hogs sleep every night <laughs> you know we were chasing rattlesnakes in here and we realized that the biggest boar on the place <laughs> right yeah, no rattlesnakes to whoever's listening yeah i hate those big wuss here yeah i tell you what you're talking about red willow so i've been up there yeah. twice now with you yeah last year you were there as i was um having the opposite of success <laughs> let's every go back to that. day but here's the thing so i wrote the same check and i ate it and it was one of the most valuable experiences that i had oh yeah that, had in my, i forgot that was the original question what's the the check that honestly did you see that post i made with the tags in the bag yeah i oh, don't know how many that's 20 the, years that, like gallon bag yeah, I have yeah. a one-gallon bag, and it's getting very hard to put tags in there. It's but full. is it bad? I but, already have that, and they're not filled either. But every, <laughs> I have. I mean, I do have success, but I also hunt a lot. A yeah. You know, and some, and some like Maryland. I only, I, I only hunted two days. I literally sat a morning, a night, a morning. But you know, I ate that tag, and it wasn't a cheap whitetail. Dude, hunt. even in Alberta, you got a muley. And yeah. the, both of us had a same fistful of tags that we could have used. <laughs> yeah. That I actually. I, yeah, I ate a lot there. honesty, I think I threw them out my window as I was driving home. <laughs> Dude, I've. Well, put it this way. Here. So I really. One of the things that I really, really, really like. You were the fidgety Mike, Mike guy. Um, I ate a tag. I ate three grizzly tags in B.C. When I shot my Grizz, I think I had hunted 61 days in total before I got my shot. I would have learned how to actually shoot myself in the face with my own bow before 61 days. I got a grizzly tag every year I went black bear hunting. I got a grizzly tag, and I was actually fortunate in the fact that um, because I had hunted so long with Bert, Bert's like, have a tag because essentially we're going to grizzly hunt. We're pro we're definitely going to encounter black bears. If you shoot a grizzly, then you're going to have to pay for it. Bert, so Bert for the bear whisperer. Yeah. For me, it was, it wasn't like a huge price up front. It was a third of the price up front as mm -hmm. you know, if someone goes on a bear hunt, but in all fairness, I went, multiple times and i had a lot of days into into grizz before i ever got one um which is part of the reason why at the time bird had retired from guiding and when i came back that last year and said that i was going to go for it again uh he pretty much said i can't not be there if you get one what was he doing when he retired? Like professional Tannerite usage? Or <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Refrigerator disposal? Yeah. Professional Tannerite uh, stuntman? So I think, I think, yeah, Bert works three shifts. He's part-time logger, full-time beer and fireball drinker. 100% on yep. that one. <laughs> yep. Full-time uh, Tannerite exploder. <laughs> That's pretty much Bert's. Uh, three shift schedule, but um, no, he came out of retirement from uh, from part time guide to be you know a guide when I was there. He, luckily, he was with me um, when I got my mountain grizzly with my with you know at the time I had to shoot a mouth tab, 
um and with dusty as well and it was it was really fun it was good to be with with three guys who have put in a lot of field time with me um but that's what made it bittersweet man i'm talking i think i've eaten three moose tags too um up in bc where i went up there i remember one year i went for a 10-day hunt and it rained solid rain for nine days and so i was like i'm coming back so i came back the next year and dusty and i i think on the second to the last day we were sitting there and started calling and we called for like half a day we're in this you know we call them tree stands but it's more or less like logs that we've nailed up into the top of pine trees (laughs) and this like tree seats this four point bull comes out he might have been like a six point, but it, I mean, more. I think they call him like a handlebar head. I don't know anything so, about moose. He's like not big. You okay. know, he's so small. Yeah. Okay. I'm, it would be like equivalent to shooting a basket rack whitetail. And this thing comes out and he starts coming in. I'm like, dude, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And he turns and Dusty's like, are you cool? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I smoked this thing, and, I mean, I was so elated with this moose. And I remember I put it on uh, I put it on one of our episodes of our TV show at the time, and there were people that were coming down. They're like, D- you know, this is why we don't have big moose in B.C., because non-residents come in and shoot these. And I'm thinking, dude, I've got 18 days into hunting moose. You know, 18 days, I've got, you know, whatever it was, nine grand over the course of two years, plane tickets, time away from family. I've been putting on, I don't know how many miles with my, with my buddy, like this was a big moment and I was jacked. I mean, to me, it was a, it was a legal moose and I was totally pumped and honestly, I feel like that's one of the things that hunting's missing right now is these people that that are missing that element of it you know that's what i think is awesome about you you've you shot some i have only one question every time you shot some (laughs) stupid you shot some some big whitetail and you're like what should i do with it and i'm looking at you like uh you should mount it you know (laughs) (laughs) and you're like how many hands is it? I'm like, it's not a horse. It <laughs> is a deer. We measure six hands. <laughs> well, I can add to that too, though. You were asking me about the mistakes. Yeah. I think I would take out sin control and add in, come in with the right mind frame about yeah. the experience of the hunt. That's the perf for both, for both of us. That's number three then. And yeah. that's tough. I think when that's you're writing perfect. a check. I think, I but, think that's what gets people though. They yeah. see the money and they're like, well, I'm going to write this check. I'm going to get something out of it, right? And they may only look at it as a trophy versus the knowledge, experience, and right. everything that can make them yeah. more successful. And I, but I will add to that, though. Be prepared and ask a ton of questions with the outfitter that you're going with to add to that experience level. You know, success rates, success rates, what you're doing, what you're not doing, how to prepare, how to do this, how to do that. And I think that will equal into your experience of the hunt. Because I will say over the years that I've had guys that come in that are there to see new country, to hunt a new animal, to meet new people, hang out with the guides. And you want those guys back every year. Every year. I I, I have one client that's hunted with me for 
almost 10 years now and he's a super super picky deer hunter he's killed maybe three deer in 10 years he comes back every year for the experience of the ranch what we do what we offer and i and those guys nine times out of ten are the most successful hunters that we have because they're not putting that undue pressure on themselves for the animal itself and i appreciate those guys and it and honestly it probably makes us and our guides want to work harder for that guy because we know he does we, yeah, we know he's here for the right reasons who wants to work hard for an asshole correct i mean honestly 100 yeah, percent. And, and that's you, you know, know we're you sp- want to like punch in and punch out is yeah. what you want to do if anyone's had a job if you're at, if right now if you're at an if you're at a daily job punching a clock and your boss is an asshole if would you do anything out of your way for him? Answer that question. And if your answer is no, then why would you expect a guide to do that for you if you're going to be that guy to him? Yeah, like, 100%. you know, be the employee where you where you're just so good. It's like, god, we have to do something special for this guy cuz he just has the best attitude. He's in here before the before he has to punch a clock, he leaves late every single day. Like, if you have that person, you just want to do anything to make it happen for him. Yeah, and, and we feel that way. I mean, I, I, we have, I'm just going to call them guide meetings every morning to decide what we're doing, how we're doing, what guys are going with what guides, and we all have those same conversations. This guy sucks. <laughs> we're not, I mean, we're going to try to figure out the best way to make this work for him, but the guy that's personable and ask good questions and is here for the right reasons i mean not that we probably don't go above and beyond for try to do for everybody but you have that gut feeling of friendship and kinship and being in a camp with somebody and so and i think that makes us want to work hard and and i I would add that to a mistake list go go into a hunt for the right reasons so let me uh, because we actually have to go hunt soon so i have a question for both of you (laughs) oh wait you had a question from before no from both of you for both of you, so we talked about number uh, the top three mistakes that people make to not be successful. If you could pick the one thing that you have seen make uh, the most hunters successful, regardless of their skill level, from very experienced to very brand new, the one thing that you guys have seen that the successful hunters have in common. I think you might have already answered yours. Yeah, with the my, what's a, yours, Dudley? Dude, I think it honestly. I'm not. Uh, I have no idea what you and Trevor went through, but just based off, you know, a a year and a half of accumulation, I feel like success comes down to the guys that have the the best mind frame. I mean, when, when you have the mindset of yesterday was gone, today's today, I have to still give it 110% today, every single day. I think if you do that and honestly, you know, I think guys that show up ill-prepared are going to have that type of, you know, that type of report card. I think guys that show up at least prepared, they have the opportunity to be lucky. And guys that aren't lucky with the mind, with the right mindset will end up being successful just based off, you know, just being there repetitively, being there, being there, being there, being there, being there, and then eventually the cards fall where they may, and they fall in your favor. Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%. Just have a good mindset. Enjoy the experience of being outside. Being Tre- Trevor, you've been quiet. Well, I haven't <laughs> had much st- to say. Are you still bummed Speaking out? Speaking <laughs> of being outside, 
Let's go Wait, outside. Let's see what you do. Let, let, let Trevor add one thing. Trevor. And he's still, he's still sulking Trevor, on wild walking. Hunting. What's been the in my massive experience <laughs> hunting? Okay, Trevor, if you could change one thing about what you've done as a hunter, what would it be? <laughs> not walk behind. Not walk behind deadly loud. Not be a loud walker. Yeah. Dude, and here's the thing. Here's what I love about him telling you those things. Do you have any fucking idea <laughs> how many times he's he's told me those things? <laughs> Probably not as nice. Andy, get behind me. Andy, walk in my footsteps. Well, but Andy, you're yeah, doing everything said, wrong. But the upside <laughs> to us coming from our background is, like, I'm not taking that. You're not turning around and saying that to me, and I'm not like, that's oh, what's great, well, What man. the hell, man? Well, he doesn't see those. He turns around and walk, and I knock an arrow, and I'm aiming at his Achilles, and I'm like, <laughs> not today. And I pull back in my quiver. <laughs> I'm like, you got lucky, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> No, here's the thing. I actually love it because he's like walking my footsteps. I'm like, I can't, asshole. You're too big. <laughs> Walk your legs farther apart. Okay. <laughs> I hate your shoes. And I look at him like, I always say the same thing every time. If Dudley tells me he hates my shoes, I have to say one thing. I hate your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you he mean says, like uh, when we crossed the fence yesterday? Yeah. We get over there. I hand my bow over to Andy. They leave the short guy, me, to get over the barbed wire fence last we get over and turn around, and there's Dudley 150 yards away. Like, are you joking right now? <laughs> yeah, we're running. I'm like, get used to it, dude. Yeah, Dudley's like, I don't like your pants, and I don't like your pants. I don't like how you walk. I don't like how you walk. <laughs> it's the best ever. Yeah, see, that that yeah. We're, we're the same height. So yeah, work. we're good. We're yeah. good. This is sorry, a, this Andy. will be a solid team. It's gonna be dangerous. Are we still keeping the uh, average yardage game? going dude are you wanting That's to go terrifying. there but no. here's the deal we can because right now you're behind <laughs> yeah so shit pick your poison do you want to go there right now not particularly i wouldn't if i were you either <laughs> <laughs> old gray betty's in the other room over there we can we can give you a very unattainable number fast yeah <laughs> if you would like no i think the like i said next next year i think what we do is uh Whatever the first shot is, I think you have to better it. So Equal it, or better. It's got to be equal or better. But what would be yeah. awesome is if person one shot his hog at 10 yards, and then by the time the eighth person shoots, he has to shoot his at two. No, it's, <laughs> I think that's think That's the other direction, I think. I'm no, thinking. but it would be better. I was this close. Oh, you got to get closer? Depending, like there's a there's – a, Oh, that would actually be way harder. If you're 20 or less, you have to better them on the short end. On the near side instead of the far. (laughs) Yes. And if you're 50 or more. I'm thinking you're like, you see a hog, you're like, start walking backwards. (laughs) (laughs) And you drop a bomb, right? Because that screws everybody. But if you go to 20 and the next person's got to go 19, you're still going to screw me either way because that pig's going to go, I'm out of (laughs) here. Yeah. Okay, I hadn't thought about that. I actually like that better. Yeah, I think um, it's a special game. Yeah, oh, it's a special. Man. So I think we can either go furthest <laughs> or shortest. Shortest trumps furthest. I like both, actually. Right. But I think I actually think closer would be harder. You think closer will be harder? It yes. is harder, and we will do it. Okay, I'm in. You've been voluntold. It's not, like yeah. I said. Oh, you think closer would be harder? Well, I think I get closer to you. <laughs> so you you seen my muley last year in my underwear. Stop it. Stop it. No, I didn't because I was looking at my tags that went unused. And yeah. I was thinking about how much counting, I hated my own counting skill. Counting your tag soup. 
stirring your tag <laughs> soup. I'm like, oh, awesome. Dully keeps telling me to take my shoes off, so I do, and now I have no clean socks. Clay, Great. if people are interested in yes. hogs, whitetails, ducks, tell them how to get a hold of you. Uh, website, stuartranchoutfitters.com, S-T-U-A-R-T, ranchoutfitters.com. Uh, we're on Instagram, SR Outfitters, and Facebook, Stuart Ranch Outfitters. Check us out. Yeah. Clay's really, Clay's artistic, too. Try to be. I wouldn't go that far. You are. I wouldn't go that yeah, far. Yeah, you are. You, you have some, you have some really, you actually have some really good friends around you. You've got some really talented dudes yes, around you. Yes. You guys do some great photography. And, man, you guys have uh, such a cool, cool history here. Your brother, like, when we pulled up the other day, Trevor saw your brother, Robert, and he's like, Man, I wish I had my camera because, I mean, you feel like you literally – when you're here, you feel like you're in a John Wayne movie that's actually, yeah. you know, John yeah. Wayne movie's fake. He or, pulled up and looked like East of Eden. I'm like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> I'm uh, like, hey, guy, he goes, uh, oh, I Delta wish I had my Force, camera. Right? I'm he, like, yeah. uh, bring it tomorrow yeah, yeah, or the next sure. day yeah. or the next day or the next day. Like, he didn't wear that outfit for today. Yeah. Like, that's, that's every day. That's yeah. why I said I wanted my camera. I'm like, I know that's real. Yeah. Well, that's. What, I mean, we're at the end of the day, we're we're a real cattle ranch, ranch. First, first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, that's that is what we do. I mean, we've been doing it for 150 years, and we've seen some cattle. We have, <laughs> we have a few cows. Uh, the guys I work with are they're real cowboys. I mean, it's this the real deal. It's old school. You turn a picture of us working cows today, black and white. It's the same as it was 200 years ago. <laughs> so, and, do you uh, sit around and talk about like? What spurs did you buy? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Oh God! Dang. Oh, he had spurs on too. Yeah, Tank well, Ready did. Hey, you got like, you got to take. All right, you take our world. It's the same as shooting bows. It's the same as shoot. Same as shooting guns or camo or whatever. That's right. It's, Kitchen it's, knives for the win. It's gear. It's gear at the end of the day. So like belts, belt buckles, pants, boots, That's knives, right. spurs, knives. Thought of that. Bits, what else? Holsters. Reins, Leather holsters, six hand, shooters. What are we talking? Handmade saddles. Yeah, right. handmade hats. Just checking. I was leggings. L- I kind of felt a little weird the other day. We were in Applebee's. I like your heads at Clay. Same, it's same thing. It's gear. <laughs> yeah. It's gear. It's, it's yeah. just gear for a Cowboys versus gear for uh for a hunter. We were having chow the other night. Yeah, we were in Applebee's, and I'm like, there's one TV with UFC on it. That's a terrible start to any sentence, by the way. Don't worry. I know. It so we were our, at Applebee's. It was our third choice. <laughs> I actually said something to Sharon. I said we're in Applebee's, and she's like. Are you playing Reese Bobby trying to get kicked <laughs> out? I'm like, possibly. But uh, one TV had an old UFC fight on it. Yep. Every other TV had a rodeo on it. The yeah. American team rodeo, rodeo this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Team oh, yeah. you know on. what it is. Mind yeah. you, that was the oh, night yep, that the go. current UFC was playing. Yeah, yeah during oh, the current true. UFC, yeah. they had playing. old UFC, but the rodeo was – totally going hard on uh, 10 you TVs. just you got to know where you're at i mean this oh, oh we I, do. yeah it's just part, part it's I just do. every it's a tuesday for us mm-hmm. i mean that's about the only way i can put it <laughs> it's a day that ends in why i love it it's so cool i mean honestly you guys fought for it you know i just pointed left for trevor right for andy but the reason honestly the reason the reason i'm so geeked out about it feels weird saying mentoring, but the reason I love like sharing my knowledge with archery with no you, mentoring Andy, is accurate. Yeah, you it's Andy, accurate. you Trevor is honestly because the everything that you guys did for keeping America America 
is the reason why we can be in Oklahoma and they're talking about saddles and spurs and you know yeah, freaking rodeo on TV. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of places I've been in the world, which I have been a lot of places in the world, and honestly, like there's not many places that are you're able to drive nine hours and being you know to be able to still enjoy whatever freedoms you want yeah, and, and honestly and I, it's because I can't tell you guys thank you enough for what y'all do and what you did well, I mean, here's we're, super, I, we're super appreciative i mean thank you is not enough work i'm not going to speak for trevor i wish i could take credit for any of that i can't that shit all came long before i ever joined the military sure those rights were all secured long before i ever raised my hand and swore an oath i did the best i could but honestly like yeah, but I we didn't still need to tell you thank you. I didn't have anything to do with that. You yeah. know, I, I wish I could yeah. say that I did, but I can't. You know, I did my best, but that yeah. stuff came long before me. Yeah, but did my I, job and felt like it was all I could do. And yeah, got still out think we need to say thank you. Though. Yeah, I mean, thank I, you. I really do. I mean, that's just for me speaking personally. Don't Tre- make it weird, Trevor. I won't make it weird, <laughs> Trevor. I'll try not to. <laughs> Trevor, thank do you. Do you need a hug? Yeah. Right, we'll hug it out if you want yeah, to. Okay. We'll go win the big Don't contest. say thank yeah. you to the competing team. Thank what you, Trevor. The fuck, dude. Wait, I didn't finish. Oh, God, yeah. They can hear you. Trevor, thank you. Don't take it personal tonight. (laughs) See you, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.